One of the psalm writers painfully summarized it this way in Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's not because God's hand is so short that he cannot save or his ear so dull that he cannot hear. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Separation. That's what sin creates, which is why the enemy is dead set on crafting temptations for our lives. He knows that the effectual fervent prayer that James 5.16 says availeth much contains parameters. Prayers that have power come from a person in pursuit of righteous living. Yep, righteousness matters. That's why you and I must deliberately strategize in prayer for the daily ongoing protection of our purity. Prayer keeps us on guard. Our spiritual radar sensitive to the enemy's ploys and clever decoys. Without this close contact with the Father, we become convinced that our careless behavior, our decisions, our habits, our general sense of what qualifies as worthwhile entertainment is somehow okay, that it's not so bad. Yet all the while, the enemy's carefully crafted options of impurity chip away at our spiritual reserves and effectiveness. The devil's strategy is to make us believe impurity is, well, normal. That nobody's hurt if we keep a few forbidden things on hand and just enjoy them from time to time. No big deal. But if we were steadily engaged in fervent prayer, with our strategy counteracting his strategy, We'd see in a snap that unrighteousness is not no big deal. It's a house of horrors. It's a totally upside down way to live. Speaking of things that are upside down, when my boys and I go fishing, we like to walk over to a small pond not far from our house on a friend's property. And fairly often when we go there, if we've got the time, we'll decide not just to fish from the bank, but to use the small boat that's always sitting nearby, always flipped over on its top the bottom of the hole pointing upward. The reason the owners leave it upended like that is so that water it collects during even a short swim in the pond will drain out afterwards and not rust the metal. But every time one of the boys suggests we drag the boat in, we're extremely careful, or at least I am, when turning it over from its resting place on the grass in case any wildlife has wandered underneath and made itself at home. Frogs, lizards, turtles, Snakes, we have seen them all. The damp, cool, shady environment beneath the overturned rowboat is a perfect place for bad company to come hang out. Now listen, these critters don't need a personal invitation to come and be a part of our day. No need for that. Leaving that boat upside down creates the right environment, and that is invitation enough. The same thing is equally true of our lives. Impure living impure thinking, impure relationships, impure affections, upside down living creates the perfect environment and breeding ground for demonic activity. It invites him in and then fosters the perfect place for his turmoil and trouble to thrive. Unrighteousness disrupts our peace. It scares away any lasting sense of rest and contentment. It spoils what could otherwise be enjoyable. It complicates experiences that were meant to be nothing but pleasures and blessings. We can't knowingly create this kind of
destructive environment, the kind that invites the devil to make himself at home, and then blame God for whatever sense of distance we may feel from him, we must choose righteousness, right side of living, while committing to pray fervently and consistently that we'll recognize the ploys of the enemy the moment they have come into view. committing to pray fervently and consistently that will recognize the ploys of the enemy the moment they have come into view. Because not only does our prayer deflect the enemy, but our purity deflects the enemy. God calls you to purity because he wants your heart protected and at rest, inhospitable to the devil and his intentions. God wants you full of power and confidence and spiritual vitality. He wants you free to bless and encourage others, to receive and celebrate his goodness, to become such a stick of dynamite prayer warrior that Satan just hates hearing your coffee pot heat up in the morning. How'd you like to start experiencing those kinds of consequences? Not the ones that leave you feeling disgusted and despondent, miserable from another failure, but totally energized instead in Jesus. This doesn't mean you'll never do anything wrong again. We're not built for that. Not yet, anyway. Vestiges of sin still hide in the nooks and crannies of our flesh, and they're magnetically drawn toward the allure of temptation. Even the Apostle Paul admitted to the struggle. He said in Romans 7, 15, I do not understand. I am doing the very thing I hate. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Boy, do I hear you. But a prayer strategy can even help you here, too. Because the only thing worse than not prevailing in purity at any given moment is failing to respond humbly to God's discipline after a setback. His conviction is never meant to berate you, but simply to correct you and bring you back to himself. No divide, no separation, pure. Purity leads us to fervent prayer. And fervent prayer leads us to purity. And when we start putting this cycle to work, building momentum like a spiritual turbine, surrounding our hearts with the nearness of God's protection, we strip Satan of the power to rope us down to the same old cycle of sin we've always known. We say to him in so many words, can't touch this. <laughs> 